You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Tonight's scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, and this is what it says. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Taylor, for reading that and thanks for singing. It's always a joy to hear you sing and a joy when you bring Josh with you. Thanks, Danny, for leading us so far. And Jordan, where'd Jordan go? Did Jordan stay? Jordan leave? Somebody text him. Um, I'm still thankful to Jordan for doing confession, even though he left before I preached. That's rude. Anyway, my name is Drew. I'm part of the pastoral team. Uh, here at Providencia, and it's been a while since I have stood here to preach. I want to say first how thankful I am to Keith and to Jordan and to our guest preachers like Kristen last week, Kevin a few weeks ago, who's upstairs today. Um, All of those folks have allowed me some time this summer to process some big life events, and I'm very grateful for that. It has meant a glimmer of rest 
for me and for my family that I haven't had to preach in the normal rhythm that I normally preach. We will have a couple of other guest preachers uh, over the next few weeks that you can look forward to. Um, Emily Blaylock is going to be preaching in October. Looking forward to that. Dylan Watson is also going to be preaching in October, so we'll be looking forward to him as well. But we will be getting back to something of a normal rotation in the next few months. It's good to be back with you. We're in the middle of a series on the letters of John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And tonight we come to 1 John 4. The subject of this series has been love. Because in these three letters, John cannot help but speak of love. Maybe you caught that in the reading that Taylor just did for, for us from 1 John 4. So tonight I've titled this sermon, First Love. First Love. As a faculty member at PBA, we've been preparing, getting prepared all week for a new academic year and a class of new and returning students. Anybody a student at PBA in the house tonight? All right, we've got a few. Love it. Don't be shy. Starting tomorrow, the largest incoming class in PBA's history will begin taking classes like Exploring the Bible, Humanities, Survey of Finite Math, these kinds of classes that I am glad I don't have to take anymore. But I am getting back into my education headspace, as I know all of our kids are, students, and teachers. So, in the interest of getting back into an education headspace, let me ask for another show of hands. Who remembers studying Aristotle in school? We have a few willing to admit they recognize the name Aristotle. Good. Aristotle was a Greek philosopher in the 4th century BCE. He is Plato's heir, both intellectually and in terms of influence. There are a great many things that we think today that Aristotle thought first. We've inherited some of his ways of thinking without even knowing it. Here's an example. It was Aristotle who first postulated that if something moves, there must be a mover that moved it. Seems obvious, but Aristotle thought it first. But movement isn't just going from one place to another through space and time. It's also things like growing, heating, cooling, change of any kind. So any change, any movement requires a mover. And this idea combined with Aristotle's understanding of causality led to the theory that there exists in the universe an extremely complex and extremely long chain of movements and movers that stretches back in time until we run into a first mover, one that is itself unmoved. Is everyone following me? Don't worry if you fail the quiz at the end of the sermon. There will be a retake in my office at 11 a.m. on Wednesday. When I read this passage from 1 John 4 this week, it reminded me of this argument of Aristotle's, especially verse 19. We love because God first loved us. 
there are a couple of ways of understanding what John is saying here. On the surface level, and maybe a little bit more on the individual level, there's the idea that we are able to love one another. I am able to show love to you, to my family, to my enemies, to anyone at all. I am able to love because God first showed love to me. In Aristotle's terms, our love is a movement and God is the mover. Even when it is me who chooses to love, I'm only able to make that choice because God has prompted me to choose love, because God has shown me how to love. And there is truth in that, a profound truth that ought to remind us of our dependence on God. Lead us to humility and birth in us passion and compassion for ourselves and for others. But I want to explore for a few minutes a cosmic scope of what John has written here. Because as I see it, John is locating himself and his readers in a story of love that reaches far beyond themselves. It's a story of love that, if we let it, will expand our hearts and imaginations. It's a story of loves and lovers that stretches through time until we run into a first lover. It's a story that goes something like this. We love because God first loved us. Because on a hot day in a town called Joppa, God loved a tired and hungry and slightly narrow-minded Peter. As he waited for the midday meal, as he passed the time praying, God showed Peter a feast of unclean animals and opened Peter's mind. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so Peter opened his heart to Gentiles. Because on a hot and dusty road to a city called Damascus, God loved a hateful, zealous, passionately pious Pharisee named Saul. Sometimes God's love knocks you to the ground and blinds you. Sometimes God's, sometimes God's love puts your worst mistakes right in front of your face. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But then God's love resurrects you. And so Saul opened his heart to Jesus. Because on an otherwise normal morning in Jerusalem, God loved a powerless, motley, patient and restless group of Jews. That love sounded like the blowing of a violent wind and looked like tongues of fire. That love drew impossible lines of connection through language. To speak a language is to speak a people, as Willie Jennings puts it. And to speak a people is to love a people. And so the disciples opened their hearts to the Holy Spirit who joined their hearts 
to others. We love because God first loved us. Because on a Sunday morning, the third day after God's son was crucified, God loved a world that had known only death in its memory. A world that used death as a punishment. A world that called for the death of its own savior. God loved the world enough to show it death would no longer have the last word. And so the heart of the world was opened to life. Because on the Friday before that, Jesus loved the world so much he gave his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He was lifted up on a cross that he might draw all people to himself. That all people might be joined to him, dying to the world, that through him they might live. And so the heart of the world was opened to forgiveness. Because on the night before he was betrayed, Jesus loved a powerless, motley, misunderstanding and doubting group of disciples and he loved them to the end. He took a towel and water and showed them the essence of love. He even washed Judas's feet. And so the disciples opened their hearts to his way of loving. Because on a hill in Galilee, Jesus loved a tired and hungry people who just wanted to hear him teach. He took five loaves and two small fish. And he offered the crowd a glimpse of a heavenly feast where everyone is invited to the table. Where none leave hungry. Where there is plenty upon plenty. And so they open their hearts to generosity in the face of scarcity. Because on a crowded street, pressed by bodies on all sides, Jesus' body shed power to heal a woman's body that had shed blood for 12 years. Jesus loved her enough to stop and commend her faith, even though she would have defiled him. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so the heart of the crowd had to make room for women. Because Jesus loved even those who could not bring anything with them. No possessions, no influence, no experience. The disciples rebuked them because in their eyes they were out of place. But Jesus said, let the little children Come to me. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we, we might be called children of God. And so their hearts had to make room for children. Because in a promised land under enemy control, with Hope scarce and fear reigning. God loved a young woman who had never been with a man. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And so Mary opened her heart to a child. 
some of you can maybe see where this is going, but will you stay with me for a few more minutes? We love because God first loved us. Because God loved the people of Israel so much that God gathered them from the far reaches of exile. Because God loved the people of Israel, even from foreign oppressors, God returned them to the promised land. But before that, God loved them so much, God sent them into exile. This is a hard truth. For us who have inherited and imbibed a lie that entangles love and autonomy to such an extent that I love you must mean I let you do what you want. God loves to such lengths that God would not let Israel continue down paths marked with injustice and idolatry. God loved Israel so much he let their enemies snatch them off of that path. Sometimes, sometimes, God even uses Assyria and Babylon to show love. And so the people's hearts were opened to new paths. Because God loved Israel enough to give them their land in the first place. Not by the force of military strength or the diplomacy of political negotiations, but by trumpets and marching, and the power of God's love, the walls of Jericho came down. And so the people's hearts were opened to trusting God's might. Because on a mountaintop where Moses stood alone, while the rest of the people of Israel rehearsed rebellion and idolatry, God loved through laws God set the people of Israel apart and showed them how to live as a people set apart, knowing that they would fail, knowing that they would fail. God's heart is always open in spite of failure. Because in the desert, God loved them through a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead them to the place he had promised. Because in the desert, God loved them through quail, and manna, and water from a rock. Because when the dry land ran out, God loved them through the Red Sea and out the other side. Because in the land of Egypt, enslaved and oppressed, God loved by listening. I have heard the cries of my people. I've seen their misery and I've come to rescue them. And so the hearts of the people were opened to liberation. Because in a little place called Haran, near Ur of the Chaldeans, modern day Iraq, God loved a man named Abram. Not because Abram was special, but because like Mary, Abram was made special by God's choosing. Sometimes God's love calls you to leave country, people, family, and Abram went. His heart was opened to God's blessing. Because in response to the first empire, God scattered and confused. 
Because in response to the first murder, God punished and protected. Because in response to the first sin, God banished and became a seamstress. Because from the dust of the earth, God formed the human in God's own image. It was love that motivated God to breathe life into the human. And so the heart of humanity was opened for the first time. Because out of the formless void, out of darkness and deep, welter and waste, God loved so much, God spoke. And there was light. And the heart of creation beat for the first time. We love because God first loved. In his book, You Are What You Love, James K.A. Smith says, in order to foster a Christian imagination, we don't need to invent, we need to remember. My aim in this telling of the biblical story in reverse is to help us remember well. And John points us precisely to this kind of thought experiment. He signals it in the opening of this letter, that which was from the beginning. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. He also signals it at the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If we're willing to open our hearts and our imaginations with John, if we're willing to trace a thread of love from our lives back to the act of creation, we find that that act of creation itself was an act of love. And that love is wider and longer and higher and deeper than our imaginations. God is love, as John says twice in this passage in chapter 4. It is God's very essence. God is a being who desires, longs, communes, connects, and loves. So God, the first lover, the prime lover in Aristotle's language, created lovers. This is why our essence cannot be reduced to brains on sticks, as Keith is so fond of emphasizing. We are beings who desire, who long, who commune, who connect, who love, because we are made in God's image. If God is love, then every action of God's is an act of love, even when we can't see it or understand it. But maybe this is why John falls back on this language of first love in chapter 4, verse 19. By locating himself and his community in the story of a God of love, they can find light and liberation. 
provision and protection, peace and favor and faith like a little child. By continuing to remember and explore that story, we too can find ourselves utterly transformed. We shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.